And welcome back to 2020 uh, Space Odyssey. Happy New Year's. Happy fucking New Year. The mirror year. Uh, the merrier? Mirror. Oh, the, the merrier. Yeah, the I get numbers it. mirror each other. Oh, I got it. Right. Well, I'm folding it in my brain. I get it now. I got it. I he's got it. He's clapping his hands. I'm like, like well, I'm, well, one of them had a 20. The other hand had a 20, and I folded them together to see what they'd look like. And it doesn't quite look like a mirror, but it does. I understand. What's I mean, going. the first thing that Jason did look like, have you been watching the show Cheer on Netflix? I started that one. That's ridiculous. What the fuck? First of all. These... So strong. Do you see her abs? <laughs> Dude, first of all, I, when I first thought. I might want to watch this. I was like, this might be creepy if I watch this. Oh, yeah. I'm like cheerleaders. I got, like, uh, yeah, sorry. Mm, no, no, no. What you I say? got two minutes into it, yep. and I was like, this is going to be good. So I called my daughter, and it's like, we're going to watch this together. It's going to be our show. There's, it's a, <laughs> the table. We can't pound the yeah, table. Yeah, don't pound the table, but yes. that's exactly what I did. I was like, hey, Sarah, come <laughs> in here. I want to watch this show, but I can't watch this alone because it's inappropriate for me to watch a show like this by myself. Like, and, <laughs> and then she goes, I don't want to watch that show. Let's watch uh, Beyond Search Rates. So that's what we watched. <laughs> oh, so you didn't even get to watch it. I didn't even get to watch it. But I, I did end up watching like 20 minutes of the first one. And I'm, I'm really interested in it. It's cool. I'm deep, deep into it. Mm. I started and I realized that not only is it fucking super addictive. These kids are Olympic level athletes. They're absolutely incredible. It's a fucking I mean, sport, this thing. Like, how are these kids? They got... Five, the pyramids and the, there's pyramids and sports and Tumblr. Like I'm learning about this now. Like mm-hmm. I think I might like this sport. And <laughs> That's I, awesome. I feel like it's not you know, a pervy thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like. And then the woman who's married to a childhood sweet. It's like this tiny town in Texas. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with this fucking show now. Oh, that's amazing. I want to get more into it. I, I mean, I just saw just how incredibly strong and it it, it kind of worked out in a weird way. My daughter had been watching uh, the the quest to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. Like that, show. That's a thing. That's a show. Like it's. I that's think it's a, a quest. It's on CMT. Yeah. But it's a quest. It's a quest. It's, they bring in all these people. Like that's that's the show, right? But is that's, it super addictive? Not to me. Okay. It, so that's you didn't a lot. get roped in. No, but this seemed like a show that tied both of what we wanted. It's kind of like uh, hard knocks and all that stuff. Yeah, it's combined. Sports, yeah, it's sports combined with but it. You got drama. But and the, kids. The and other one was like, oh, your 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 high kicks were off, and your you know your shoes weren't wide enough, and it was definitely you need to lose twenty more pounds. It was one of those kind of like closer to Showgirls, the Dallas Cowboy one. Yeah, this show's a lot closer to it's. This is yeah, the hard knocks. Hard knocks. Yeah, yeah. First of all, the central story of this thing with this woman, um, is Aldana, I think her last name is. Mm-hmm. She. Was born and raised there. She she goes and gets her master's degree in finance and business from UT, which is mm-hmm. like a top yeah. right finance school. She falls in love with the catcher on the baseball team. Mm-hmm. She ends up taking her finance degree and moving back to the town she grew up in to raise kids with this guy. She gets offered this position at this tiny school called Navarro mm-hmm. in this little, I, I feel like it's called Corsicana. I mean, yeah. someone's going to probably get mad now <laughs> if I got it wrong. But it's the main distributor of fruit pies. Like, you know. You know I, like Hostess fruit pies? No, no, no. I'm saying the wrong thing. Fruit cakes. Oh, fruit cakes. Yeah, the, 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 the not. Oh, I don't want to say anything negative. <laughs> About fruit cakes? I, I just don't like the fruit cakes. It's okay to not like fruit cake. I don't I, think that's a controversy. But they sell, that we're they gonna sell have to a cross. million a year. Wow. Yeah, it's like the biggest, you know, it's like the beacon of business at this, at this town. And get this. So this woman who runs this. This tiny little, and it's a junior college. It's not even a four-year college. She takes it from nothing, and they win like 
I don't know, six, eight national cheerleading trophies beating out four-year schools. And so obviously she was going to be a CEO of something. Mm-hmm. And then these kids are all, they got the perfect mix. Like the one kid, I'd be in jail if I wasn't here. And the other kid, you know, like they got it. Like, yeah. all, you know, one lost his mom. Uh, you know, right. I'm already like tearing up on that oh, one. Yeah. You know, watch the show, man. I'm going to watch it. Get past the thing where it's weird. Oh, yeah. You just No, I was totally into it. it. I, I mean, in all seriousness, when I started watching, I was like, this is finding shows that me and my daughter can both watch together is a challenge. She will watch shows that she wants to watch together and it's very rare that we can find one that we both really are interested in hmm. um so like if, if if you're really into watching repeats of shark tank or america's top model she'll watch with you all day <laughs> but it, to find one was like oh i like this and you like this like the last one i got her to really be down with believe it or not is mm-hmm. the hannibal series the brian fuller stuff um oh yeah yeah, yeah. it was yeah. great it, it was, was good it was the amazing NBC one right? the nbc one the best show that's been on nbc out that's like non-comedy i love a lot of the comedies on it but one of my favorite like really it didn't feel it felt like prestige television it felt like an amc show brian, brian fuller is just amazing wow with his visuals and stuff i really like what he does so okay we might have to check that out check it out it's really good in the All relationship right. and uh maz milkinson i don't ever say his name right uh I don't know. I'm not oh. keyed in on the story. Oh no, no. The, I'm gonna come to it. The the, the actor Maz something. He was in Rogue One, and he was in um, he was Maz a bad Jabroni? guy. Maz Milkinson, I believe is his no, name. No, is Maz Jabroni a comic? Maz Jabroni. It sounds like a wrestler or or a thing that cleans the ice. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like, who, what is that? What's the thing that cleans the ice? A Zamboni. A Zamboni. All right, I was close. It wasn't. I wasn't off too much. But uh, but you know we no, have no, no signal no detected, signal detected on that last joke. <laughs> But uh, that's what it says on her. That monitor. is true. She, what we have, um, I give my, I give my wife a little bit of a hard time. Um, we have a person that was actually one of my uh, wife's ex boyfriends. Mm. Um, that when we moved, that's kind of the only family he came from. The small town that my wife came from in Pennsylvania. When they then they moved out here together. Oh, wait, man, I don't think we discussed. Your wife came from an Amish town. Yeah, she came from an Amish town. From what? Like she's Lancaster? not Amish. Yeah, Lancaster. Oh. You got to say it right, though. Lancaster. Lancaster. There's a Lancaster. G. Now, anybody in Pennsylvania listening, or my wife, if right. she ever listens to any of the things that I do, will scold me for the way I say it. But it, you almost have a hanging G. The way I've learned to say it, that they actually don't correct me, is if I go Lancaster. Lancaster. Like, the, 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 there's no G in there, but I I hold it just to make sure I'm saying it as close to correct so, as so I'm Lancaster. Capable. Lancaster. Well, because Franklin and Marshall, the college is there. Yeah. And so my cousin went there for oh, pre-med. Uh-huh. The, uh, wait, yeah, he went there for pre-med, and then he went to Harvard. Oh, okay. Yeah, just don't ask him, and he'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so they, um, so they came from there. So she's a very the... good doctor, though. Oh, I is he? Say. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of. If I you're mean... in the Maryland area and you need like some kind of interventional radiologist, uh-huh. Craig Suchin is the guy. I'm not even fucking. I'm not doing a plug. Like yeah. this guy, he's just great. You yeah. better be listening, Craig. Here's one. He's not listening. Here's one. Now that I mentioned him, he might listen. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, Craig. <laughs> I expect an email to the uh, to the website. Right. <laughs> Verifying you're listening. Yeah, well listen, if you need someone at that he's very he was like the youngest guy published in the New England mm-hmm. Journal of Medicine. Mm-hmm. It's it's a he's very he's a That's man. amazing. But I cut it's, you off. Oh no, so it's fine. Lancaster, just, yeah. Franklin and Marshall, your yeah. wife Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, just to quickly digress one step further. Cuz if we're already three layers of de- digression into this, to the, to the to incept that one more time. There is a disproportionately large group of like 
famous and exceptionally like gifted people that come out of Lancaster in that area. And it's, I was just going to say, there's Lizzie Hall from uh, yeah. Hailstorm. I yeah. think she's from one, like, is it Bethlehem or there's one of these areas yeah. around the Allentown? Yeah. I feel like these areas in Pennsylvania, they like Long Island, they, they, they spawn uh, incredibly talented, you know, frustrated, angry, yeah. amazing artists. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, We'll see people, you know. But Debbie Gibson wasn't very angry. <laughs> I was just cool. listening. Did they use her song on Cheer? Oh, so the true. whole thing was oh, very right, right, nostalgic right. for me. Um, Lady Gaga was married to somebody from Lancaster I, for a while. And I wish Lady Gaga would marry me. Me too. I, that Sorry, she'd marry Steph, me. Yeah. No, no, no. You, would, that's what you meant. I meant. That, oh, that's exactly what I meant. I wish marry. I wish. Yeah. Well, that Lady Gaga would marry you. Right. I said I wish Lady Gaga would marry me. Oh, and I you was... said me too. Oh, I was thinking we'd go um, polyamorous sure. and we'd go with like a full three, you, me, Lady Gaga marriage. I mean, I'm going to do whatever she says. <laughs> so if that's what I have to do, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be Stedman. <laughs> but I'm good with that. All right. So I'm going to roll back this digression all the way back to the beginning. So my... Like there was a beginning. My wife's... When she moved here, she moved with a guy from from there, and um, so that. Oh was, yes, the ex boyfriend. The ex boyfriend. So um, yeah, I was wondering why. How are you gonna tell me he's still in your life? Oh, he is still in my life um, because, you know, there's not a lot of family. So he's he's now Uncle Dan. Well, he grew up with her in Lancaster. Yeah, he grew up with my wife in Lancaster, and that's then, why we digressed. Right, and so the to the, the Amish she, country, and so so my my daughter has known him growing up for a long time. So they watch lots of stuff. And he's a he's a DP, and he was working on that Encore show for Disney, and he's great. He um, did a lot of stuff with, like, Hell's Kitchen and that stuff. And so they watch a lot of movies together. Mm-hmm. All the sci-fi movies that I would want to watch, all the, all the Supermans, all the comic book movies, all the, hmm. all the sci-fi stuff. And even they even have TV shows together. They watch Supernatural together. They watch all these things. Wow. So I don't have a lot of, but I also like those things. So she doesn't want to go to the go see Black Panther with me. She wants to go see it with Dan, right? That's that's just how it works. So okay, friendly. So to find a show, but like, you're good with that. Uh, I've learned to accept that I won't have those things, and I have to find other things. And I also got, I also am happy with the idea that like. She's my daughter, and we hang out all the time. Well, that's so. what I was just going to say. You're the only dad she has. It exactly. You know, whoever she wants to go see Black Panther with, yeah, you know, that's okay. True. But, yeah. you know, like, there's only one dad. Yeah, exactly. We And she she's still honoring, even though she's had a boyfriend for a whole year now, she's still honoring our uh, Valentine's Day um, date wow. to Benihana, which I'm really impressed with. We've been going to Benihana for the last six years. That uh, sounds fun. Just me and her. So my wife doesn't get Valentine's Day. My daughter does. Oh. So, I, that's what I, we do. We put all our energy into the one that's going to leave us the soonest. <laughs> that's what I keep telling. Like, if yeah. this is such, a, who's going to leave me the quickest? And yeah, let me put all yeah. my attention and energy yeah, into you. Yeah, that's another digression. I'll get to another time when I'm comparing <laughs> the amount it costs to raise a child versus investing in a house. So what have we learned here? <laughs> We've learned that cheer on Netflix is something you should watch. Yes. That I think you should watch and yeah. get over any feeling yeah. you might have if you're a dude. Yeah, only 20 minutes to get there, but we yeah. got it. <laughs> we got there. The other thing I think we got Have you seen Brockmire? I'm the last person to watch this. I haven't watched it yet, but I I've wanted to. I, it's one of those things I keep forgetting to do. I think it's fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I asked a couple of people I know who I like their opinion and they were like, oh, mm. "I didn't really get it." I'm like, "Really?" Because I just watched the whole 3 seasons in last night. Oh, that's um, then I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I uh, I've been watching the yeah, uh, twenty minute episodes. Like IFC. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, and I it's love him. Hank Azaria is so funny and so great. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And he plays. It's, it's. I mean, the character is so fucking dark. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I mean, I, I I think everyone already knows this except me and maybe you now. <laughs> yeah. No, so, now. Now I need to see it. Um, I've wanted to. I uh, actually. Um, 
I got caught watching um, a show called Magicians over the holidays. You like, got caught? Isn't that with Stella Maeve? I don't know any of the names of any of those. Where's people. your fucking laptop? You're supposed to be looking I know, stuff I, up. I, I got in here too early. I came and I brought him a fucking Jamba Juice today. I, and this guy's my intern and I'm bringing him juice. And there's no laptop in front of him. And it's purposely why I didn't bring my laptop because I'm like, well, Jason will fucking have his laptop. That's, that's true. Everything he's saying is correct. How do you run a company? <laughs> that's that's a question. How are there all your... these people here, and it's a huge building, and the studios? How does this happen? Uh, <laughs> and you're in your. How does this happen when I see you in here, and you can't even remember your laptop? Uh, where am I? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> what what what's this? I'm the one you put all the money into <laughs> the show that all the money goes to. <laughs> sorry, everyone else. I'm sorry. Um, I'm a horrible. No, uh, but but I I fell into watching that show because I was just looking for something interesting, and um, you know that one felt like. It could be long. Like there was, there's like four seasons. I didn't want to watch a one season show, and then I. Freaking, I hear it's good. People love that it, show. It was amazing. I, I I I bolted through it too fast because I got through all of it. I, I binged the whole four seasons over the course of Christmas. That's the problem. Holiday. And, That's the problem. It's too and, quick. And then the new the new season comes out like next week. If I just waited one week to binge it, then I wouldn't be waiting around for two weeks to figure out the next season. But so what are you going to do in that week when you're waiting? I've been watching the um, Dust Till Dawn series that robert rodriguez put out on el rey how how is it amazing really i really like it so Going far back into it like yeah i remember you know it being very well written and orchestrated yeah and original it, it was interesting it's it's kind of funny don johnson's in it mm -hmm. um oh, at, at least the he's beginning never bad to me you know and i know we don't have spoilers here because we can say whatever right, we no want spoilers here man. and besides this show's been on for a long time just like in watchmen Don johnson dies like within the, the in the first yeah, episode right <laughs> I, but i love shit like that i was just talking to like the other day, we were talking about a show and saying how, like, even Hill Street Blues, they, the pilot, you get to know this cop, you think he's going to be on the show the whole thing, and boom, they fucking, you know, kill him off in the vestibule at the end of the episode. You're like, what the fuck? That's not the guy we're watching? Yeah. The oh, whole season? Oh, I love it. Yeah. We're watching all the other people we just met? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, and then Game of Thrones, oh, they decided well, we're going to do it for 10 episodes. Yeah, that one killed me a little while, for a little while. Like, that but one, I, I stumbled that over. That's why it's, you know, you know, goat. Exactly. That's oh, why yeah. it's dope. Well, well goat, I of, said. I didn't say oh, dope, but oh, it is dope. But oh, goat. I thought you said dope. Goat. No, goat. Now I'm just making, I said gope now because I'm just oh, combining the two. It's like goop and I, goat, like the greatest of all time, but for, for uh, some more of my, uh, Gwyneth uh, Paltrow's juice. products. Get some more of my juice. Um, well, speaking of things that are binging, mm. I'm really excited to talk to Laz. Yes, Laz Alonzo. This guy. Listen, I know you're dying to talk about Avatar. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try not to bring it up because if I bring it up, it's going to be like the whole fucking interview. I can't not bring up Avatar. Though. I mean, I'm going to have to ask you to try and restrain. All right, I'll do my best. I promise. Okay. I, I know you're not going to be able to. <laughs> I don't have any expectations, right, by the way. It's Avatar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I think that's like, for me, that's all I ever, like, okay, if you do one of those in your mm -hmm. career, I mean, this guy just keeps, he was in Fast and Furious, you know. He's uh, in, oh, that's right. You know, Breakout Kings, I mean, he's been on that show. <laughs> this guy works, and, we're, and now, most recently, the is it Garth Ennis? Yes. See, you don't have a fucking yes. laptop. I mean, can so, we don't even have anyone to go get the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I, I, I was, I was, I was. It's all falling apart. I, I forgot it um, to charge it last night, and so I put it on one of the um, producers' desks to charge, and I forgot. I'm sorry, sir. Mm -hmm. Moving forward, Laz is on the amazing 
I'm going to say it's Garth. Did you look it up on your phone? I'm going to say it's Garth. And it's the guy who wrote the graphic novel for Preacher, I think. This guy, look, we'll find out through the interview, but it's called The Boys. And The Boys on Amazon, to me, you talk about binging shit. I think I ingested the first 10 episodes in, in that night. Oh, yeah. I feel like I went like from seven. No, I want to say like yeah, seven. At, yeah, I feel, I don't want to admit it, but I feel like I went from seven p.m. to four a.m. Yep. No, I, I believe it. The, that show goes by so quick and it's so fun. I mean, that scene at the beginning where the the the, the fast guy comes around and like hits that oh. girlfriend and, it's and like, you see that and you're like, oh wait, this is that. Wait, what? What just exactly. happened? Yep. Is this guy bad? Yep. Oh fuck. Okay, now this is gonna. Yeah. Deep. Yep, exactly. And that all of a sudden, it, it just hooked me. I, I got through that thing so fast. It was amazing. Right. I didn't even take a break just to like pee and get shit from the kitchen mm-hmm. to eat. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was it. I mean, I don't even think I went to the... No, I went to the gym the next day. <laughs> uh, you know, got it. I got to get, get that gym. gym. Well, it's just a, you know, it's an offset. You got to... It's the polarity stuff. Mm-hmm. The boys. If you're not watching, I mean, again, I can't say enough about it, but I want to find out, you know, I've known... Laz a while. I feel like every time I say that, I'm being like, I've known Laz a while, like uh, Haas, and I just dropped a name. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm gonna pick that up, Haas. <laughs> name you dropped there. And uh, so I think anytime I drop a name from now on, you should just say Haas. Haas. Yeah. All right. Deal. Haas. Or well, I guess it, not even that. When you when you insinuate your uh, your close personal connection with them, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Haas because like we're gonna have to talk about Laz because he's gonna be here. Right. But when you say I've known Laz, yeah, for a I while, do, right? If I do something since like the that. olden days, when you start like, when you start reminiscing it as if you guys like went through like boot camp together, then I'll do then I'll do it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and I, I will say that I a very you see this would be a time you would do this, but I'm not going to say this guy's name because he hasn't given me permission to. Uh-huh. But a very prestigious director uh, came up with this Haas thing. Mm-hmm. Not me. I mm-hmm. wish I did, mm-hmm. but I can't just take credit for it i know too many people who do that right so eventually and if you named them i would have said haas yeah and if i said this guy's name you should say haas and I, I, but i have to at least say it so it's like a placeholder mm-hmm. and then when he calls me up he's like oh i finally heard the podcast yeah you fucking say my name and then i'll go okay and then i'll say like oh it was and then and then people like the long time listeners then it's like an easter egg again <laughs> Have I digressed again? Oh, we've, we've Laz Alonzo. Laz Alonzo. Yes, we are here right. with Laz today. It's going to be, I, listen, I can tell you walking into this because I, I know there's shit that I, I'm dying here and I know it's, this guy's body of work is so long. Mm-hmm. Did that sound okay? <laughs> his body of work sounded so long. Yes. Yeah. I, his body of work is so long. Yeah, I think that's allowed. <laughs> I know, I but think it that's sound okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it sounds okay. Yeah, his body of work is so long yeah. that this is going to be another two part. I, I believe it. Right? I, I mean, you can't talk to a guy who's yeah. done this much stuff. Mm-mm. All right. Well, that so has this kind of story. So I'm, let's, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. All right let's yeah. take a quick break and we'll come back. Quick break. Laz Alonzo. Quick break and back with Laz Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. There it goes. He got deep. Oh, shit. I know. Did you hear this? Oh, shit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with. I mean, I, I I do this a lot because I'm so fond of my guests, and I'm looking at him, and I, I fucking love the guy. And we were just sitting here. We have to act like no it's erections, all, no erections. We have to I act promise. like it's all normal right now. Like, like we weren't just talking for 15 minutes. Like, hi, we're all here today, and right. uh, I'd like to introduce you, my guest, who is the amazing, talented Laz Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I, I can't even say I, I can't even say applauding for myself. That's <laughs> what we do. By the way. If I didn't applaud for myself, 
Bro, in this town, you got to applaud for yourself. Uh, what would I have? I applauded for myself for like 10 years before anybody knew who the hell I was. All, I only tell jokes at home so I can laugh myself. Boom. My family does not like me. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> Listen. Okay, I got nothing. <laughs> I really like that. Wait a minute. Did I leave my phone on? No, I didn't. Okay, good. My shit's on silent. My f- yeah, my shit's on silent. The only thing I have is a text from you, Les. That might have been outside. <laughs> is that outside the room? I think that was outside the room. Oh, it's an app. It's an Apple Watch. Uh-oh. It's Jason again. I'm putting on theater mode. Okay, so it doesn't this is going to be a recurring theme now with Jason, I can tell. You know, he types angry, leaves his phone on. <laughs> I don't, he, okay, so last time I was trying to research some stuff. I might have got a little distracted, but my typing gets a little aggressive. Ah. So. You, you, it, it gets angry, higher. Like, yeah. Boom. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like I'm, I'm making stuff. Looking, I'm composing. Man, I'm fucking looking. You should see when I type, uh, uh text messages like i have to use hand motions to make sure it works like i have to say it out loud with the way i would talk to make sure it works but my wife is always like oh you send an important business email because she sees me throwing (laughs) throwing signs out gang signs on the text messages (laughs) no one knows how you're saying that though when they're reading it all that's out the window and they're not reading the periods or the commas no caps no caps no good if it's no caps then that's pretty good yeah i can i can do i can pretty much do no caps that's about all i can stand with i'm very liberal on my exclamation points and i realize that maybe it makes me look like a lunatic i i I go hard with the exclamation points too even like question marks like four i never yeah four to five what's (laughs) you know what i'm saying like it lightens the mood yeah after two it becomes whimsy and they don't respond you got to give them the five question marks that's mandatory (laughs) you're gonna get the five question marks you're gonna get these question marks today Les Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen. You it know is. him from Amazon Prime's The Boys, the Boys, one of my favorite shows of 2019. Oh, absolutely. Coming back for 2020. Thank you, guys. What a dark, twisted fucking show. We're going to get to this. I, I love this show, but I want to start with you as a little baby. Oh, shit. I want to start mm. with you being born. Okay. You were born. Yep, I was. Tell us, Les, where were you born? I was born in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. to uh, two Cuban immigrants. Uh a father, obviously. Yeah, where's your father's <laughs> name? Tell us your father's name. Father's name was uh, Manuel. Everybody called him Manolo. Manolo. Kind of like uh, Star- Scarface's best friend. Oh, I know. Yep. Stephen Bauer. There you go. Yeah. Um, who I got to meet actually hanging out out here. He's he's nuts, but I loved it. Um, fellow we're gonna, Cuban. We're going to get to that. And then my mom, Sylvia. Uh, Sylvia. Sylvia, yeah. That's my favorite name in the world. Are you serious? Yeah, that's my grandmother's name. Oh, it's wow. It's tattooed on my arm. Wow. And it's my cat's name now after my grandmother. Get out of here. Yep. So my mom is a very, you know, mm. she's like the, uh, the, 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 the eye of the storm in my life. That's my best friend, you know, and she's uh, one of those little old tiny Cuban spiritual ladies who, you know, if you get on, she'll, she'll, like she suffers from tremendous amount of road rage <laughs> to this day. <laughs> she's not even 5'4", but she turns into like 6'8". Is that why you had to get so buff so quick in life? You're just constantly protecting? Just to defend her (laughs) and myself when we're driving anywhere. Like, she'll still cuss anybody out. Yeah. Like, Sam Jackson don't got nothing on my mind. Straight up. And she'll hit hit you in two languages. (laughs) Oh, she's speaking Cuban and she's speaking American. And English. English. She'll hit you in every language. Did you hear that? I heard it, but we know what you're talking about, man. I know, but that's so awful. It's also Spanish, by the way. What did I say? Cuban. Cuban. You see, I'm horrible. This is this is a part listen, of my bro, issue. Listen, no PC today. When we smoke cigars uh, and we start talking shit, oh, you brought me a little gift. Oh my man, yes sir. See, now we're talking. That's a hard. That's a hard. I know. Choice. Well, it's a you know they're very different. I didn't bring you. You don't smoke, right? So 
you know. Short yeah, Churchill. I'm going Upman. You I, know, my grandfather, my grandfather rolled at H. Upman. My grandfather was a Cuban cigar roller uh, back in, you know, the 50s and 40s back in Cuba. And, uh, he worked at Upman? Upman. Uh, he worked at, um, wow. uh, what's the other one? Oyo de Monterrey. He worked at several. And, you know, he had a second grade education. Um, and for cigar rollers, a very prestigious position was to work your way out of rolling and be the guy that sits in front reading the newspaper to the rollers to keep their minds occupied so they're not bored. They'd be there for like 10, 15 hours a day rolling and the guy that read the newspaper was considered like the most intelligent of the bunch. It was like the elevated position. Wow. And with a second grade education, like he worked his way up as a kid all the way up to like being like the, which, you know, for, for a cigar roller in a factory in Cuba in the 50s, a black, you know, Can't even man imagine. reading the newspaper, they weren't even really technically supposed to be reading. I was just going to ask you, so yeah. he taught himself to read? He taught himself to read. He taught himself to read. And when he oh, came to the U.S. in the 60s, in the 70s, uh, was it? No, in the in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, may I ask? So he stayed from he was with Batista. Yeah, and then he saw the revolution. He felt and, that shit. Yeah, he felt it. And wow. my family, my mom got out. My aunts and my grandmother eventually got out. My mom came first. She worked her butt off. Was able to bring her sisters and her mother. And then the family worked their butt off to be able to get him out. He was the last Let one. Let me out. stop you for a second. Yeah, your mom came first by herself. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, she comes first by herself. At, at as how a old? kid, she yeah. was she was a kid. She was a nanny. How how old would you say? She was in her teens. In her, okay. So she was able to get out because she worked for a very wealthy family, a very wealthy white family, mm-hmm. and she was a nanny, and that's how she was able to. Why do you point at me? Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> like as I'm a the guy. Point, <laughs> as a reference point, you know what I'm saying. If we talk about black, we here. <laughs> we talk about white, way, we're there. You yeah. You're somewhere in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you're giving me some more. American Indian vibe, some some Native American Mexican, vibe. Native Mexican, Native American vibe. Yeah, see, I felt it. I felt <laughs> the, the vibe. This so, is, by the way, you're Celtic, bro. Mayflower. Yeah, no, how one hundred percent. My ancestors signed the treaty. Your ancestors wore horns. Yeah. I, by the way, you know I'm, I'm a saying? Jew too, so it really works out well. <laughs> Please continue. Please continue. So, so she's thirteen to something years old. She's here she's alone. She's a child. Right. She comes alone. Um, she's working for this family and the, uh, father of the family who was very, very wealthy in Cuba, he had the equivalent of what Home Depot is here. He had it in Cuba at that time. How does that work in a, in a communist society? Like, how does he own that? Fidel came in. No, he owned it before Fidel. With Batista. But with Batista. Once Fidel came in, Fidel said, this is no longer your, uh, Home Depot, let's call it. He's like, this is the revolution's Home Depot. Mm. Fuck. Give me everything, every single jewelry, every single thing you have, all your money, all your cash. It's all ours. It belongs to the revolution. And and you can leave with your life? Goodbye. Oh, you can go. Whatever you can carry, you can take. Bye-bye. And that was how your That's mom? That's how she got out and they got out. She... I can go into crazy deep stories, man, because no, my mom was deep. actually, my mom was actually, so I'm going to just make this real quick. So there was or another don't. woman by the same name as my mom in her town. In okay. Cuba. What was the town's name? Do you remember? She was in Calabazar de La Habana. Calabazar, which means Calabasar. in English. Yeah, in English it means the pumpkin. It means pumpkin. Calabaza <laughs> means pumpkin. Calabaza. So uh, in that town, there was a woman by the same name who was working for Batista, snitching and telling on Fidel's troops where they were, what they were doing. Like everybody had spies. Like even Fidel had spies, and they were regular commoners who this. were basically working for either side. So they came 
at gunpoint the revolutionary milicianos they call them the right. the militia right and they tied my mom up at gunpoint and they were threatening to kill her because they had heard that Sylvia Amaro her maiden name was working for Batista so there was no facebook back then there was no facebook they could not check no. real quick they, they couldn't they google couldn't her check nothing they just knew a name that's Fucking it you had a name as shit come to find out the other Sylvia Amaro was the one who was snitching and my mom almost lost her life because they thought it was her. How did she get out of that? The heck, the, I was going to say Heckinger, the Home Depot guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like he pulled strings and he got more of his wealthy friends to pull strings. I mean, when you work with a family, you're part of the family. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so they did what they could to, to get her out of that situation oh, and, and direct them to the right, right. lady. Right. And she had to basically leave immediately. Like she was gone within 48 hours wow. with them. They were out. Right, without yeah, any of uh, the rest of her family. Exactly. Now she's in D.C. The U.S. Right, in she DC. lands in D.C. Right. Now, my father had a very similar situation. We ain't going to go into that. Okay. We can have a whole show just on yeah, how they got out of Cuba. Listen, I, I, <laughs> but my dad got out with his first family, with his first wife and kids. Mm -hmm. So I have half-brothers Okay. Um, who a lot of them have passed away. Right. But I have, you know, from, from his first marriage. But that you didn't really grow up with. I didn't right? grow up with them, right. no. I didn't have a relationship with them. But it was really you and your mom. Me and my mom. Right. Me and her against the world. My dad died when I was 14 of alcoholism. As you can understand, somebody that had a lot and all of a sudden had nothing and comes to the States and a law degree means nothing because you learned Cuban law. You didn't learn U.S. law. You got to go back to law school and start from scratch. Uh, it's enough to break a man. You and know? And now you're, you're, you got to feed four boys and one girl and a wife um, from working a menial job where people look at you as kind of like you're just an immigrant. He doesn't know anything. They didn't realize he spoke English. So at the time, you know, think about it. I mean, this was the U.S. Wow. in the 50s and 60s. They said a lot of cruel things about immigrants. And you have to sit there and deal with it because you're trying to make to a now. buck. Yeah, well, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what am I, I saying, right? Yeah, right? I what mean, am I, I saying? shit has changed at all. 100% shit hadn't changed. Right. But he dealt with that. And uh, and it affected him. It drew it drew drove him to alcoholism, and it, that probably was my biggest lesson um, to not fall into the pitfalls of substance abuse, because I saw what it did to my dad firsthand. I lived with it. Yeah, you're you know, very for 14 years of my life. I, I have to be. I mean, look at this fucking guy. You know what? Are you five percent body fat? No, please, nowhere near, bro. I'll eat eight? tacos. I eat ice cream. <laughs> I've I eat gone cookies. to dinner with you. Yeah, I, I don't fuck around. I eat. You know, but I mean, you know, and I and I drink too, you know what I'm saying? But within moderation. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and it taught me a valuable lesson about um earning what you have mm -hmm. uh versus it having been given to you. Uh like nobody can ever take anything from me because everything that I have I had to fight for to get. Hmm. So no matter how bad things get, you know, and, and I've had my ups and I've had my downs. Mm -hmm. And trust me, the downs ain't easy. Mm -hmm. Just because mm -hmm. you start off with nothing doesn't mean that going back to nothing is a, is an okay experience. <laughs> no, it's actually worse. Absolutely. It's actually worse. I, 100%. I, it's 100% worse. I did it. I had, I, okay, I'm not getting into me. It's not about me, but I've done it. It sucks. Please we, continue. We, 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 we vibed on this. We, yes, we've I had know, this we've conversation. we talked about this. You know, so, but it did very teach deep. me that, you know, I've been there before and, and, I don't have to resort, to resort to this to get out of this situation. I can find another way. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you, um, because I know about your mom's spirituality. Yeah. You know, was your dad, did he come over with any spirituality from Cuba? No, my dad was just a very, you know, uh, Catholic, Christian, upbringing type of guy who, right. uh, you know, just uh, had his faith. 
But at that point in his life, it wasn't enough. Right. It wasn't enough. And so it's you and your mom in D.C. Mm -hmm. You're growing up. Yeah. Where are you going to school in D.C.? So I went to school. Uh, she insisted uh, when I grew up in D.C. Mm -hmm. It was the murder capital of the United States. I was going to bring this up. So yeah. it was at that time. One hundred percent. I mean, like I, I would say half of the guys that I grew up with on my block are dead. They didn't even. You know how they say they are the dead or in prison. Mm -hmm. They didn't even make it to prison. What was your block? Uh, I grew up in the northwest part of D.C., which now is a very affluent area. At the time, it was nicknamed Uptown. Hmm. And D.C. was basically having a a internal battle over what quadrant of the city, you know, because it's broken into quadrants. Right. Northwest, southwest, northeast, southeast. Which quadrant had the baddest gangsters? Yeah, well, it's where the David Simon, right, based The Wire out of Baltimore and D.C., Baltimore, right? yeah. But D.C. at the time was even rougher than Baltimore. Jamaican crack posse. Right? 100%. And even a... before the Jamaicans came in, the Jamaicans had to fight their way in. Like, D.C. was... D.C. had his own gangsters, you know, Rayful Edmonds hmm. and, you know, D.C. was interesting because they didn't have gangs like what you normally see out here or even in New York where it's like two big organized crime gangs. Right. They just had blocks. So block by block, it was a different gang, you know, and they were named by their street, you know, 8th and H or right. Kennedy Street or... Third and this. Or and they're controlling and that little aspect of that drug. You know, it's big, but it's little. And that block scheme. is theirs. Right. You and can't touch that block. And they're shooting anybody that comes on that block that's not known. Okay, so you're a kid and you're on this block. And what are you doing? You going to school? Where are you going to school? You go to school. I what? went to private school my whole life. Private school. Private school my whole life. How, your mom. My biggest deterrent from getting detention was. I had to get home before the public school kids came out and saw my ass in a uniform or I'd be fighting. <laughs> now, how did your mom get you into a private school? I mean, she's working, what, two jobs? Bro, my mom worked all kinds of jobs, brother. She she cleaned houses. She don't work now. She don't work now. No, Damn right. No, she's chilling. I got I, 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 I take care of moms. Yeah. But, yeah, she did everything from working at the government because she worked at the government, like D.C. government. She had a, you know, a, huh. a, a job there. Um, with men, you know, with broken English, but she made it happen. Wow. You know, and then my aunts who she helped bring over, like they also stepped in. It was a village, man. It was a village. Like Cuban families are very close. Everybody pitched in. Um, so she ended up bringing them over. She brought them over, now but then they ended up. Family, yeah, they, so they, speak. They, right. They ended up getting jobs and then they ended up like all pitching in. Like from my grandmother to my aunts, everybody put in money in the pot to send me to school. Like I was supposed to have a better life than they did. And at this point, do they know at all? What, what, are you, what are you looking at there, Jason? I was actually learning about Ray Full Edmund. Oh, yeah. What, you, yeah. what, what, did, you, what did you learn? He was the person that introduced crack cocaine to Washington, D.C. 100%. Les is a fountain of knowledge. Even even our mayor at the time was called smoking crack. The Marion oh, Barry? Mayor yeah. Marion Barry. Barry. Yep. Yeah. Can't so that's him. the kind of vibe that the city, and, and listen, I'm not, I don't talk smack about him because he was the people's mayor. Oh. Like that earned him favor. As opposed to, I mean, that's where we were. <laughs> Listen, my barber shop, right? Um, my barber shop in DC. The, in DC, the what was it called? <sighs> Come on, in the cut. I think it was called. In yes. the cut. was it in the cut? That's I think a it was good in the name. Cut. I don't All right, go. But it was on Georgia Avenue, right across from this go-go club called the Black Hole, which is now closed. Uh, but shocking. My barber shop, the seat that I sat in, had bullet holes in it. <laughs> wow. And I mean, I'm laughing, but and, it's not funny. And my barber got shot. Because they came in, shot up the guy he was cutting, killed him, and while they shot him up, they're like, oh, the barber sees who we are, let's shoot him too. Shot him too. Fuck. And he's been shot twice. 
cutting hair there. Once he was putting money in the meter outside where his car was parked, and they shot. They were just shooting up the block, and he got shot. And this is where, you know, I'd go get my hair cut every week. And what's the gang that's running your block? There's there's no real gang. I mean, at, by, the, the by that time, by that time, there was this crew called the Uptown Crew. Okay. And that Uptown Crew kind of started a little bit the idea of organizing different blocks. Right. Because... Southeast at the time was so powerful as far as like gang culture and just gangster culture that Northwest felt like they had to make a name for themselves. Like you take it even next level. They take it next level. So right. it was like, okay, we can fight among each other mm-hmm. or we can unite under one big banner called Uptown huh. and, you know, defend ourselves against Southeast and all these other Northeast, had a, you know what I'm saying, oh, wow. these other bigger crews. So how do you avoid this? So you're here. You're in the middle of this fucking war zone in your little, you know, Lord Fauntleroy uniform sure. going to fucking little blue uniform, school. blue hat, blue blue <laughs> pants. I wish we could have a picture Shoes. I really want yeah. to see a picture of that. A tie, curly hair. <laughs> how are you avoiding this? You know what, man? I'm going to tell you. Please. I was always that dude that was friends with everybody. Mm. I don't know how. Like, D.C., you got respect from either playing sports real well. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your Steve Francis's that came out of there. Like, you were either an amazing hooper or athlete or you fought real well mm-hmm. or you were a gangster. That's how you got respect at that time in D.C. Um, and I was friends with all three of those groups. Of those groups. Um, now, do you I, know you have a talent at this point? Are you feeling inside like you're? You're how old now? Like ten, eleven? What are we saying? In probably teens, school? early teens. Okay, early um, teens. And do you know? Are you acting? Are you are you doing anything that's that's toward the arts? No at this point? acting. No nothing toward. Well, I studied piano growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in martial arts my whole life growing up. My mom put me in martial arts and boxing because she felt like as an only child I needed to learn how to defend myself. Um, so did my parents. Yeah, same thing as an only child. Oh, well, I wasn't until 16 I didn't have an older brother to call when shit got rough. I'd have to be able to scrap, mm. you know. And eventually, I had to get to that point where I had to like show or put up or shut up. And I'm glad that I did right. learn those those skills you were able very to early in life. Stand up for yourself, 100. percent But at, yet, yeah, go ahead. At that point, um, but I wasn't a gangster. Right. I was just defending myself. Right. Yeah. At that point. Um, you weren't doing any of the art stuff. What did you What did you plan on being when you got out of high school, go to college, all that you stuff? You've been thinking that far. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Uh, I just wanted to make money, and I didn't want to be poor. Like, my whole thing was, whatever I'm going to do, I am not going to have roaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I hated roaches with a passion. I lived with roaches my whole life growing up to the point where I, I literally, they were enemies of my of the state, like, I would wait. Oh, at you night. had to coexist. Oh, we had to live, and they lived for free in our apartment, and they were, and then our apartment was next to the trash bin. So we. So there was get... no separation right. between church and state until yes, I discovered this white chalk in Chinatown. To this day, I don't know what the hell was in that white chalk, but brother, when I tell you. In Chinatown, D.C. Chinatown, D.C. was because I studied martial arts and I grew up on Bruce Lee movies. I had Bruce Lee posters all over my room. Right. I grew up on, um, on uh, you know, uh, The Last Dragon and oh, Bruce yeah. Leroy and, you know, yeah. Ty Mock and all that shit. Fuck so yeah. And then I grew up in the martial arts culture. Like back in that era, you know, 70s, 80s, that shit was real. 
You know, Enter the Dragon was one of the first movies to come out on Betamax. Bro, when Betamax came out, and I, I was the first to have it. Every every corner of my room has some type of weapon. I had nunchucks. I had throwing stars. I had throwing knives. I had regular knives. I had like switchblades, butterfly knives, and I knew how to use all that shit. So you're thinking you get out of high school or whatever, and you're going to be a ninja. I I was a ninja in high school. Right. But you, now, what's the employment rate for that? It's not well, that great. So what are you thinking? No, really though, I'm, I'm interested now. Jason has to I, I got. I, I'm gonna tell you, yeah. I got lost in movies. I didn't realize that that at the time, mm-hmm. watching Rocky. 800 times <laughs> watching The Godfather, 800 times yeah. watching Bruce Lee movies and Jackie Chan movies, 800 times mm-hmm. watching Eddie Murphy movies, 800 times. Like, I literally would watch them and know every word, every scene, every, you know, cut. I didn't realize that I was learning filmmaking and I was studying acting. How did you realize? What was the moment? It wasn't until I was a grown ass man actually in the craft now and studying performances and reading scripts of my favorite movies and then seeing what the actor did versus what was on the page. But jump back for a second. Yeah. I, I hate interrupting, but I'm doing it. Fuck it. Right. Before you're in the craft. Sure. Again, you're in high school. You're avoiding this, All that this shit. gang activity 100%. and drug dealing. But I'm avoiding it. It's very easy to avoid it because everybody thought I was cool. Right. Everybody liked me. I was cool with everybody. I didn't have problems with any. With so anybody. here's what you're learning, if I may. You're right. learning, unbeknownst to you, really, that you are very charismatic. That you have an X factor. That really, there's no one else in the neighborhood that's getting away with what you're doing. Right. Right. No one ever tes- tested me. Like no one ever tested or tested my manhood. Only one guy tested my manhood one time. Um, and he took here. and he took my he took my big wheel. It was a green machine. I don't know if you remember the green I machine. Remember the green machine. Green machine. He took yes, it, sir. And I went up to my to my apartment and I told my mom and she stopped me at the door. She didn't let me in the door and she said, go get the green machine. She's like, don't come back here until you get the green machine. She's like, I don't care what you do to him. She's like, but Sylvia. Oh yeah, she's a gangster. Now my mom is a gangster. <laughs> my mom carried my mom carried a, a a handgun during a time when they were banned from DC. You couldn't carry handguns and concealed. She had a twenty two in an eyeglass case. I love your mom. And she carried that. Fuck. Non-stop. Everywhere she goes, she had a she had an eye, eyeglass case would just be sitting there on the table, and she had her twenty-two in there. She didn't play, and she would whoop it out and use it on anybody. I seen my mom step to men, really grown ass men. Yeah, we had a neighbor that was pretty pretty perverted and and physically tried to assault one of my aunts, and my mom took him down. She took him down with a bat. Okay, so you have the fear of your mom. I mean, oh, 100%, that's keeping you 100%, in check. Right, one hundred percent fear of my mom. Right. It was a healthy fear. One hundred percent fear okay. of my mom. Growing so up, she was like, put it like this. Growing up, to me, I believed sincerely that my mom could beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> I really did. Like when I got to high school, I would argue that my mom could beat Mike Tyson. I don't think you can succeed more as a parent than no. that. I truly yeah, believed absolutely. it. Now, in hindsight, okay, maybe not Mike Tyson. But probably not. back then, right. you couldn't tell me she couldn't. Listen, you're afraid of your mom, rightly so. She's got a good grip on what the fuck you're doing. The guys in the neighborhood, and again, I'm going to point this out to you, whether you're aware of it or not, I don't know. There's no one else in the neighborhood that's getting these passes, right? Uh, Everyone else is picking a side. Everybody else is picking a side or doing some kind of dirt or involved in something. So you have a thing. You're not aware of it yet, but you have a charisma. You have an X factor that somehow you're getting this pass 
right. around all these people that are not getting. And passes. a lot of them were older. A lot of them were older. I think. I think you know, back then there was a code though. You know, back then there was a code where uh, gangsters didn't want to see you go down the wrong path if they felt like you had something going on. You know what I'm saying? If they liked you. Right, they would take you under their wing. Yeah. So when do you figure this out? Like, in other words, this is not a normal step for someone in your situation to go, I'm going to go get into the craft of acting. I'm going to be an yeah, artist. No, Where's it, the step for you? That's uh, what I want to know. To get into the craft? Yeah, like you're that going didn't to happen till, That didn't happen till, till after I got out of college, man. I studied business in college. I didn't study acting. I'd never seen or studied an acting class in my life. Where'd you go to college? I went to Howard University in D.C. Were you I in studied. Frat? I wasn't in a frat, no. Um, there were no frats while I was there. They were all kicked off the yard for violent pledging activities. The frat that I wanted to join, there was a death that happened while they had a line, and they banned them from that campus. Fuck. So there was no, there was nothing going on. There were things going on underground, but right. not a, not legit. Um, and for those of you out there who don't know, Howard University not only is an excellent school, but it is a predominantly black school. 100%. Historically right? black college and university now, hbcu let me ask you this question you're cuban yeah right yeah. do you find issues you know when you're with black people that's a valid with... question yeah. no i don't because i'm black first before i'm cuban you know i mean my ancestors were brought to cuba instead of brought to the united states as slaves um but it's the same i always tell when i explain it to people because i have to explain it to african-americans sometimes too you know it's, it's it the same tree just listening. a different branch you know, they brought black people to the U.S., they brought black people to Cuba, they brought black people to Haiti, Jamaica, South America. You'll find black people all over the world. If they're not in Africa or from Africa, more than likely, I mean, there there, there, there are uh, stories of black people having um, migrated outside right. of Africa prior to the slave trade. Um, but my ancestors, I know for a fact, uh, were slaves and were brought to Cuba. Cuba was Cuba was a place where they broke slaves. So the Spaniards brought slaves to Cuba. They would, in essence, you know, when you break a horse, right. you train it so that it's yeah. docile. That's what Cuba was. Cuba was one of the most violent uh, places in the slave trade because it was that pit stop before it came to America. So before they bring them to, to okay, South Carolina mm -hmm. and Louisiana, they would stop in Cuba. It's like boot camp. And it was an ugly, ugly, ugly boot camp. They had the tobacco fields there. They had the sugarcane fields there. And that's where they would teach slaves how to be a slave. By the time they made I it mean, to the U.S., um, they were ready to work. And, and what's fascinating about what you're saying is this thing now, I'm going to bring this onto a track. Mm. Your family comes from a place of extreme violence. They move to a place, the number one murder capital you know, in America, of yeah. extreme violence. At that time, yes. You grow up around extreme violence. Right. Yet, you don't get in any trouble. Now you end up at Howard University, a very, very prestigious school. Yeah. And I can't imagine how many jobs your mom's working, even if you had, you know, financial aid and all sure. that. Sure. I mean, I was working like 20 jobs while I was in school, too. 20 jobs while I was in school. And one of my jobs, guess what it was? I started an extermination business. For roaches. Did you use the white chalk? White chalk. So, um, just yeah, white quick, chalk. Yes. Just real quick, it's called Pretty Baby Chalk or Miraculous Chinese Chalk. There you go. And, That's uh, it right there. I love it, Jason. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Miraculous Chinese Chalk. Yep. Yo, your angry fingers are <laughs> amazing. Wow. Yes. So, I told you. I haven't seen that chalk 
in 30 years. There it is. There's a reason wow. he's the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Boom. So, so, so that's it. It exists. Yeah, that's right there. Yep. Chinese chalk, pretty baby chalk, which is a weird name for anything. It really is. It's illegal chalk. <laughs> illegal? Examples of illegal chalk tested by the California Department of, of Pesticide, Pesticide Regulation. Regulation. It's illegal. <laughs> so I don't know Fantastic. what was in that chalk. But, but it, there was not one roach in D.C. that was that coming could go against place. me in that chalk. I figure if you're dealing with uh, the type of people that you're having to deal with down there, the chalk should also be illegal. Everything was illegal <laughs> in D.C. at that time. Everything was illegal. Shit. Okay. If I'd have known, I'd have sold that. I'd have... It's incredible. I learned something new, which is, by the way, that's good to know. Hustling chalk. All right. All right. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll right. be right back with Laz Alonzo, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with... Laz Alonzo. Do Yo. I sound deep? Does my voice yeah. sound deep? When you come back, you get extra deep. I know. Hi. We're You're here. all patient. <laughs> Talking. I do this with my kid, like, because my kid's voice is getting deeper it's than like mine. Late night radio. <laughs> I do slow jams. <laughs> I'll be sure in the quiet storm. Sexual chocolate. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to where we were. You move. Your family goes from Cuba to DC. You grew up in DC around this extreme violence. Now you're at Howard University. You're a business major. Yep. You're working who knows how many jobs. You're still not fucking acting. Jobs. Not acting. Right. Not no. even a, a, a flicker in your eye. Nothing. Well, I'm a. I take that back. Okay. So this was my. This was my. This was all by design. My thing was. All right. I see that Howard gets a lot of um, New York banks. Mm-hmm. That come to recruit. Um, New York is where Denzel, Sam Jackson, um, Lawrence Fishburne, Wesley Snipes. Um, these are all my icons. Forrest Whitaker. These are all like the people that I looked up to. Uh, and they all did theater in New York. So your heroes aren't sports figures necessarily. They're, They're actors. artists. They're artists. Yes. And so I knew I wanted to act. I knew I wanted to act. But I just didn't know how to how to get there. When I just, did you know you wanted to act, though? Do you remember? You know, I think my whole life I did, but it was something that it was in the back of my mind. It was unattainable, and there was no way I was going to tell a Cuban family that I wanted to act. Like, that wasn't considered to them a career. That's not a profession you go after. Doctor, lawyer, banker, those are professions. Right. You know, actor is not a profession. Very Jewish, by the way. Same in my culture. Right. So I, I never I never said it, but I knew that I was going to do it. I knew I could do it. Um, so college. So the college. bankers are recruiting. I studied marketing, mm-hmm. um, not even finance, hmm. but I could sell water to a whale. Mm-hmm. You, you could. Know, bro, when I was in college, man, I had a Valentine's Day rose delivery service. I had a car detailing business. I had an extermination business. Um, I started an arcade. Uh, with one of the dorm supervisors inside the dorm, and then we spread it out to all the dorms. <laughs> I started a, a bodega inside of the dorm so that kids wouldn't have to go out in the murder capital of the United States to 7-Eleven and get shot while they're trying to go get you know, a I'm gallon gonna, of milk. I'm going to interject. For those of you out there who don't know what a bodega is, because it's a grocery shop yes. in a lesser fortunate part of town yeah it's a, a latin grocery shop latin like a little latino shop. awning red and orange red and red yellow, and yellow yep. awning out front can of beans from 1978 goya always drug stop there you it's go always a drug spot so yep. in new york and harlem yeah from 18 to 20 years old i had the slot machines and the joker poker machines all in the back of the bodegas oh, word. All from 125th and x all the way in bed sty word yeah see so, so we have something we are, in common yeah we have so it's like all right, so you're 
Serial entrepreneur. Yeah, you're making all these businesses from nothing. I got 100 businesses going on at the same time. Plus, now I'm working in, in the government, right. for the federal government, and stay in school program. So I'm getting checks from everywhere. I'm like, wow. and and I was a bellman. Where? I was a bellman in- at the Henley Park Hotel in D.C. So I was part. I learned how to park. I learned how to drive. I I had Fuck. no license, and I just lied and said I had a license. So I was a bellman valet parker. That's not a little lie, by the bad, way. Bro. That's a big lie. I learned how to drive stick. Well, just by yourself on some poor person's on people's cars, bro. On people's cars. <laughs> Be careful who you let park your car, folks. Or just don't have a stick. Don't have a stick. <laughs> but you really learned how to drive on other people's cars. Other people's cars. I fucking love it. So you're doing this. Okay, so now what happens? So you, these bankers are coming in, and what's the light bulb for you with the acting? So the light bulb was, I need to get to New York. Okay. Because I need to study acting in New York. I need to do theater. This is where all my idols went, all my icons went. So I got to be. I gotta do what they did. You made the decision. Are you a senior in Howard now? What are you? Like a senior. Okay. So I started interviewing with banks. And all these other companies, all these marketing companies wanted me because with in marketing, I, I didn't have like the best grades overall, but in marketing, I was 4.0. Right. I killed them in marketing. That's my, I was just naturally a good marketer. Um, and so uh, I said no to all the offers I got from non-banks mm-hmm. and non-New York banks, you know, because I got some other banks that tried to get me to go here and there. No. Right. I got to go to New York. I got to study theater. So who takes you? Merrill Lynch. Fucking Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch hires me. I'm in their sales and trading program. It's a rotational program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up getting pulled into this group because I spoke fluent Spanish. Mm. So I go to this group. I realize this is not what I signed up for because they put me on to the Japanese section of the group. Okay. Instead of the Spanish section <laughs> of the group, which is what they sold me yeah, on. Yeah, what, what are they? They told me you're going to be doing deals in Latin America and Peru and Nicaragua and you're going to be traveling. And what I was like, oh, like this is dope. Right. I get there and they put me on the Japanese desk. So what you're saying is a a financial institution lied to you? Bait and switch. That first lesson. That is an anomaly. Coming out of school. Please continue. First lesson. <laughs> Please continue. So now I'm working. I'm coming in on a Monday. I might not get back home to shower till like Wednesday or Thursday because I'm there during the day working on pitch books and creating presentations for my for my managing director that's in Japan. Now, Japan doesn't open till nine hours later. Oh, fuck. So, so by 9 p.m., it's 7 a.m. his time. And now I have to give him everything that I created during the day, and I have to wait. For him to go through it, give notes, changes, so he can present it. And then I have to be there and wait to make those changes. So how the fuck do you get to acting? I don't understand. Like, you're, you're working 180 hours a week. 180 hours a week after a year of that shit? And I think I started to develop like an ulcer. Like I was like, I was highly stressed. I was miserable. I hated life. I realized I'm never going to be an actor if I keep doing this. And they wanted me to like go through the whole program, go to grad school, excuse me, right. go to grad school, get my MBA, come back. I was like, nah, that ain't happening. Fuck. I still got friends that went through the program who are doing very well. Right. Like extremely well. Right. I'm doing well, but they're doing very well. It's a different kind it's of a well. different kind of well. Yeah, it's, it's a different kind of well than you can do in the money. entertainment yeah, industry no, no, no. unless you're, you know, at that Spielberg level. Yeah, like, that's that whole the banking level. money is some other stuff. Yeah, People a, don't realize how much money it is. I realize it. You know, it's the, it's the whole question, uh, you know, the difference between are you rich or, or are you wealthy? wealthy you know? Period. It's like, you know. Uh, Period. Right. That's um, private jet money. Yeah, yeah, wealthy. Right. Yeah. No. So, so, okay, so you're like, fuck it, I quit. I quit. Was it a nice feeling? It was a terrible feeling because I was broke. 
You didn't save any of this money? Bro, I was making $35,000 a year back then. Oh, how are you going to save anything? In, in New York City. So uh, now you quit. You're broke. I gotta go back to my hustling roots, hmm. and that's what I did. I just started like you know hustling, meeting people, hmm. networking. I got up in the Source magazine. Hmm. I helped them launch a magazine, a basketball magazine they were trying to launch. Really? At the time, Sprite hated. Sprite was conservative as hell. They hated hip hop. Right. See now, Sprite is all in the hip hop. Back uh-huh. then, they wouldn't touch hip hop with a ten foot pole. That's interesting. That is interesting. And I got Sprite into the source. They nobody could sell Sprite. I got Sprite into the source. And are you using now this time to go to school or to no. audition? No. <laughs> You're I'm still just, just hustling now. I'm hustling. Like I quit to I had to survive. Now I'm I had to survive. But So what happens? Tell so, me what happens. So then eventually, eventually I do end up uh seeing like a audition piece of paper for a uh a theater group. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'll try this out. So I go in. Like 24 at this time? Let's say. Uh, like 22 around that time. Mm-hmm. I go in and I audition and I booked a part. No training, no nothing. And had never done anything in my life. I just went in there and memorized the lines and just did did what I could with it. There's so many actors out here in America and everywhere listening right now going, fuck you. No, man. <laughs> like I mean, You just listen, did that? It, it was raw. Right. And I learned once I had booked the role mm-hmm. and I'm there on, you know, not really, I mean, you know, on stage and I'm rehearsing with other actors who are MFAs from Yale and all these, you know, huh. Ivy League schools and they have master's degrees in acting. And I realized, damn, I don't know shit, <laughs> you know, and I'm watching them and I'm extremely intimidated because they are approaching the material from a whole different level. Like, you know, it's it was obvious huh. that they were at a different level, and it was now my time to learn. Do you remember the name of the theater group? Absolute Theater Group. Absolute Theater Group. Charles That's- Drew was the head of Absolute Theater Group, and his great-great-great-grandfather is the famous Charles Drew, who... Jason, are you looking that up? <laughs> who was a doctor, very uh-huh. famous African-American doctor, who I believe in... in Found the cure for heart disease, some kind of heart. Oh, that's disease an HBO movie. Yeah, no, that's he, Charles an HBO Drew, movie right I there. I mean, we the dorm that I stayed in at Howard was Charles Drew Hall, and now this, this guy, is not a movie. And how? And this guy is our theater director, and it's his great grandson, and he's the one who really saw you, who gave me my first saw you. role. Jason, ever. this is what we have discovered. We discover this with all the guests. It, it is this thing where there's one person. Who, whoever it is, is it high school or junior high? For Dane Cook, it was uh, Frank Roberts. Yep. You know, Good uh, memory. yeah, it, it, it's this one person who goes, I, I, I see what you have. And all that shit you've been thinking you can do, I'm going to show you. That how. was him. That was him. I also have Tracy Moore Marable to thank. She was my first acting coach ever in life. I took her class called The Spirited Actor. Hmm. It was not like an acting class, it was like a, a spiritual journey inside, within. And finding the characters from a whole different level of which I could connect with. Like there right. I was like, oh, this is great. Like I, I vibe with this, you know, and and she was able to tap into something that I utilized to book commercials and book uh, more theater opportunities. And well, Charles Drew opened the door to the idea of characters. He did. And then Tracy said, here's how to create a character from the ground up. Yes. Why don't you check this out? Yes. And then you start building. And do you get an yes. agent from this? Or do you start I got commercial agent. Okay. 
So I started booking commercials out the wazoo. Yeah. One day of filming, and I'm like making all this money. I'm like, they're going to pay me how much for one day? Right. Forget about the residuals back then, which you don't have now. Yep. I went haywire, bro. I went commercial. So you're making real money for maybe the first time in your life? Are you kidding? Absolutely. Right. Like I'm making in, I'm bringing in. You sending it home? A strong, not yet. Okay. I'm bringing in a strong five digits just off commercials alone, which for me, I mean, I, I was making 35000 on Wall Street. And here I'm making you don't even have 60 to hustle. grand per commercial, right. national commercial. You don't even have to hustle. And one commercial, I was in SAG. I was trying to figure, how do I get into SAG? How do I get into SAG? Oh, you got to do extra work, and you got to work, get three vouchers and all this stuff. I booked one national commercial, Pontiac, and I was in SAG. Christopher Erskine was the director of that commercial. I'll never forget, he casted me in my first commercial. Amazing the things you remember, right? Yep. And you do that commercial, and now you're booking. So now, this is what happens, right? So, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you start booking commercials, you're getting hot in commercials, the, the theatrical division starts to take a look at you. Did that... That didn't happen in New York at the time. So interesting. So what So happens? I'm doing theater. I'm doing uh, commercials. And then one of the, the the women that was in my theater group, her mm -hmm. name is Lelania Masters, mm -hmm. who here's another weird back combo. Uh -huh. Her mother right. was married to Marion Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Laz Alonzo. That is I didn't even fantastic. put all this shit together until I mean, now that I'm talking to you. This is what I do. Okay. Her Welcome mother to the was married show. to Marion Barry. How crazy is that? Fuck. I love this. All right. Cora Masters so, is her mother. So 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 And Lelania Masters was Lelania. my was my theater group partner. Like, okay. And she was like, Who's your rep? Like she's even she was always very like motherly. Like she was weirdly like this sage. Hmm. She was like, What are you doing with yourself? Like, who's your rep? What are you doing? Like, are you taking this seriously? And huh. I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. She's like, okay, who? She's like, no, you need to meet Vincent Serencion. Out of nowhere. She just says, I need to meet Vincent Serencion, who was Halle Berry's manager. He had an office in New York. Oh, I know, I know exactly who you're talking He was Halle Berry's manager for a very, very long, long time. Very long time. He had an office in New York. Um, hey, so I'm on Sunset, too, here. Yes. Yes. So I met the, uh, the, the lady in New York who loved me mm -hmm. and wanted to manage me, and she sold me to Vince, and Vince was like, all right, well... If I ever meet the guy, have him come by the office. So I was like, if. I was like, no, I'm going to come to L.A. and I'm going to go by his office. So I go by his office. I go in there. I have a meeting with him. The meeting went well. And uh, he goes, all right, well, do you have anything for me to see? I didn't, I, I didn't have anything except commercials. Right. I said, I don't. He said, all right, well, look, man, if you ever do a play or if you ever do a show or anything, he's like, you know, invite me out. I'll come check you out and see what happens. I was like, man, I didn't fly all the way out here to L.A. <laughs> to get to see what happens. I yeah. said. On my next show. Fuck you. Yeah, so I said to him, I said, well, can I do something right, right now? He's like, right now? I was like, oh, yeah. He's like, what do you want to do? I said, can I at least do a monologue? I was like, you I came one. all the way out here. I came out here to meet you. I didn't right. come out here for any other reason except to meet with you. He was like, you want to do a monologue right now? I said, yeah. Of course. Like, and that was part of Tracy Moore Marable's training. She was like, always have a monologue in your back pocket. Always be ready. Yeah, you didn't just hear me? I said you had a monologue prepared? I was fucking... I, I had a monologue already. What was it? Prepared. It was from Biloxi Blues. Oh, love that show. It was, uh, what's the actor's name? Matthew um, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. And he was Jewish. Yes, he was. In the service at that time, I think it was World War II? World War II. World War II, and... 
when I read that monologue, I felt a strong connection to what he as a Jewish man was going through because in World War II, black men weren't allowed to serve and fight next to white men. Um, they yes. were they had the Buffalo Soldier Division. Yeah, Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee and Tuskegee Airmen as yeah, well. Airmen. So when I read those words, they were so powerful to me because I felt what a black man would have felt back then at that time dealing with that level of racism but fighting for a country that still has not completely accepted you as a full man with rights. And and part of the big reason is that is we had to keep you at bay and set segregated segregated yeah i was gonna say separated but it's right. not it's, it's too nice a word right right so segregated because we were too busy stealing your entire culture to further the american trade which was entertainment 100%. we have stolen the entire black culture from everything from jazz on right has been a bastardization by us right of your sort of ingenuitive artistic ideas so i'm not at all shocked by any of this sure all right let, so i read the monologue uh, i, I connected with it that. jason will you forgive me for that <laughs> you're forgiven <laughs> thank you Go and on. i and i and i and i biloxi and yeah biloxi blues right. and i'm and i internalized it and i made it mine i made it in that speak office to my truth right there with vincent yeah so I, I i said he said all right hold on so he calls all his managers into his office he mm -hmm. had a pretty nice office he had like three or four managers at the time and some assistants secretaries everybody came in and um and he said, all right, now there's an audience. But I was doing theater in New York, man. Like, if you could do theater in New York, you can stand in front of a million people and not trip. I just like, he's like, he's like, all right, you want to do a monologue? Everybody, come in here. He thought he was going to intimidate. I was like, bro, this ain't nothing. Like, I just performed for about 100 people, you know, in, 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 in off, off, off Broadway right. where people talk back to you if you're whack. You know what I'm saying? So I was ready. They're getting heckled. So I got in there, you know, and I got into character. And I started my monologue, and he stopped me, like, three or four paragraphs in. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's like, don't do it to me. He's like, do it to the wall. So I was like, ooh, okay, all right. But I, I like that kind of stuff. Right. I like challenges. Right. And to me, it's just, to me, it was a director directing me. Right. I was cool with that. Great. So I did the monologue to the wall, and I shut it down. I shut it down. Like, I, I was like, oh, you, you don't realize what you just started. You know, to me, it was a challenge. <laughs> and, you know, I love challenges. And, and did so you walk out of there with the manager? He, he was like, he was blown away. Right. He said, hold on a second. Printed out a management agreement and asked me to sign it. And I told him, uh, I need my lawyer to look at it. <laughs> did you have a lawyer? Absolutely, okay. I had a lawyer. Had a lawyer. All right. And All right. so I, I took the management. <laughs> I said, you'll hear from him in a, you know, in a week. And I let my lawyer and him figure out the percentages and all that shit, and he redlined the hell out of that contract. But I, but I walked out of there with a contract. That's amazing. Yeah. See, this is a guy who walked into the artist world as a businessman. That's and that's smart. fucking a huge edge. What are you gonna say? Oh, I was just wondering, is this the is this the uh, monologue? Let's see here. Yup, that's it. <laughs> that's a hundred percent it. How'd you guess? Um, I just was looking up monologues from that. that yeah. Show. <laughs> yeah. So it's a scene where he and talks he? about yep. kind of like what you were talking about in here where it started talking about kind of the racial. Yeah. And so instead of New York kike, I said New York nigga, you know, wow. and so I went into, you know, the whole thing. It's a very powerful monologue. So now you're repped. Does he start sending you out immediately? And are you going back to New York? And is that I where you're I go back to New York. Right. I go back to New York. I'm auditioning in New York. I start booking little things. What's the like, first like, like, you know, sizable role you get? Uh, I didn't really book any sizable roles in New York. I started booking more day player roles. But, I mean, I was booking roles next to 
um, Sanaa Lathan and Wesley Snipes, wow. you know, and Disappearing Acts. Wow. And in other independent movies, but next to actors that I had seen in The Best Man, you know, um, Melissa D'Souza and and other actors that I looked up to at the time and right. wanted to one day be on screen with them, I got to now start doing day player roles. But for me, they were very big opportunities. Yes, of course. So um, now you, though, realize New York's not going to be the next level of role. No, because back then you still needed to come to L.A. Right. You know, now people are in England and they... You, you you film your audition on your iPhone and send yep. it in and yep. they you like know, you they might fly in for a chemistry review. that's it yep. you know now, back then you had to move to LA so you do and so I moved to LA and uh, I start grinding man I start grinding and does he put you with an agency or he's just sending you out he's sending me out um, shout out to Shirley Faison mm-hmm. um, uh, Donald Faison's mother she Donald also Faison. used to rep me in, in New York on the agent side wow um, you know so I can't leave her out mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, I'm just going out on auditions, and but you're making a living. I'm making a living. Mm-hmm. I, I was working for BT at the time too. I was doing VJing. Of course you were. Fifty, hundred <laughs> jobs, bro. I was, I was handing out Starburst uh, at, at d- local colleges. Really? I had my truck wrapped in a pink Starburst, you know, wrap, uh, and I'm handing out candy. You have no ego, Les. You really nah, don't. Man, you have was, zero fucking ego. None, bro. It's incredible. It was all about making that money, and now I am sending money home. Now I am spend, well, sending money home and right. taking care of my mom. She was retired by then, and I'm busting my butt to, you know, hold things down back home and here. Right. And the last thing I could ever do is to make them feel like, you know, make them, meaning my family, think that, like, I, it was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Well, you're I just not, had to you're pay not my dues. Lose. You're no, not going to lose. I refuse to lose. Right. So where you moved to L.A., and you're where now? Do you remember your first spot here? Tarzana. Oh, Tarzan, not close, and you got to get a car. I, oh, I, I was, I always had a car. Even okay, in New York. even in New York, yeah, even in New York. What are you car. driving? You know, uh, what were you driving? I drove across country uh-huh. uh, in a little country. like Land Rover Discovery. Ah, um, really yeah, hustling. yeah. No, I was doing good in New York, yeah. man. I was at the time I was working for myself. By that point, like what when I left fuck? New York, when I left New York, I had already shot the Budweiser What's Up commercial. Oh God, I was making good money in New York. <laughs> you know, yes. So, uh, so I was making shout out to uh, to Charles who casted me in that. Right. Um, I was making a lot of money because I was I helped start a company with my friends that that and and again it was a marketing company. They had they were the biggest party promoters on the East Coast at the time. And a buddy of mine brought a, a liquor brand. And they needed me to manage it. And I came in and I pitched another liquor brand. <laughs> and we started getting liquor brands in. By the time I left the company, we had HBO as a client, um, uh, Procter & Gamble as a client, Tangeray Gin, uh, Remy Martin. Saying. Yeah, it was you, nuts. Yeah, and you're still hovering around the entertainment industry. So oh, yeah, I'm still in, doing commercials, right. but, but I'm my own boss. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. And you're in Tarzana now. And you got your, your discovery. And, and I'm on BET in the mornings. And I'm at my office in the afternoons. Handling my Tangeray client. That was amazing. Yes. That was awesome. Can I tell you something that's... Epilogue. I'm not going to say this is a dumb question or a dumb statement, but I'm going to tell you something that I'm not embarrassed by, but like was just something about that interview I just loved. Okay. I had no idea he was the Wazop guy. I had no idea. Yo, I... (laughs) Okay, my being... Say hi. I've been friends with Laz so long. Awesome. And I had no fucking idea all this time that he was the what's up right. guy. Right. He's been in- He's the what's up guy. He's the what's up guy. He's been, he, he's been in- it means nothing to my son Avatar. or your daughter. No. He's been in Avatar, one of the biggest movies of all time. He's yes. been in Fast and Furious, one yes. of the most 
lucrative franchises of all time. Yes. But he's a cultural icon. Yes. Because of a Budweiser commercial, was up. That yes. that lives forever. That like really people... does. I don't think that even like eventually my kid will find that on YouTube uh-huh. and be like, oh, dad, everyone's into this now. It's like that's last. That lives forever. Like all those other stuff does too. But this is something simple. That's such so so culturally relevant to a but certain time. I think time. what you're really touching upon the 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 kind of if you mine that a little deeper is these are the things that build a career. Yeah. You know, it's. You think you're getting this job and you think you're getting that job and you're like trying to hang on or you're trying to do this or you're stringing together a bunch of things. But these things, one thing becomes this thing. The other thing is this show and that you worked with this person. It becomes that's a part of the, you know, briefcase full of stuff you get to carry to the finish line when we cross over into the next reality. It's amazing. I I mean, Avatar is the next reality. (laughs) Yeah, Peter's. Yeah, it'd be nice, you know. Whether wh- whoever whoever greets you, what in whatever religion you are, just, he gets there. He gets the he gets the river sticks, and the, the boatman's like, "What's up?" That's very funny. Did you did you just come up with that? Yeah. That's. See, I knew I saw something in you, right? And it was you. You ended up. You even ended up finding the laptop. Thank God. No, well, I. Please keep me around for another it. week. We I want to come back, please. Okay, well, I, I want to come back, too, because we have some excellent, excellent guests coming up. Uh, do you want to you say, Sean? I mean, you oh, well, I, I, yeah, I'm really people. excited about the next person. It's actually somebody I've known for a I very know. long time. <laughs> um, and what about, one of my very close friends who actually helped me start this whole podcast thing, um, but he's doing a lot of other great, great stuff with uh, with comic books. Working over at uh, uh, Skybound, mm. um, he's written two of my favorite two of my favorite games. Um, his name's Sean Kittleson. I, he's a great guy. I'm really because I, I really what I'm really looking forward to in that one is it's a person who he's a journeyman mm-hmm. and he's going through this process and he's writing for all these different things. It's like, and you may not know who he is, but he's making a great living. He's got all this great stuff going on. It's like, and this is a guy who came out here and again, he chiseled a, a career path. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested to see how that side of chiseling a career path as an artist, you know, happens. Absolutely. Well, so that should be a lot of fun. Let, well, let's, uh, and let, we have, uh, who else do we have? We have, uh, Galen Gary. Oh, that's right. Days of our lives. Oh, look at this. Some days. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Someday we'll get into yeah. that. All right, you got a little like the excited. sounds in the hourglass. Maybe don't watch Cheers. No, Cheer. <laughs> Sorry, maybe don't watch Cheer on Netflix. Maybe have your daughter in the room. Okay, uh, do we want to talk about anything else? Um, there... I, I think we're good for today. I, mean, I can. I, oh, I, I could talk no infinite two hours possibilities. Longer. I got so much more, but let's save it for yep. let's save it for next week. <sighs> All right. Okay, fine. Let's do that. All right. Good one. All right. Talk. Thank to you, later. you, everybody. <laughs>